Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And um, we are really looking forward to this program because uh, I think it's going to open your eyes to some ways of doing things that aren't very common, which is really unfortunate. Um, I never planned on it. I never wanted it. But it happened, and it happens to some of us. My mother and my father uh, have been married for 65 and a half years, father 91, mother 88. And um, as far as I know, there has never been an instance in those 65 and a half years where they contemplated going their own separate ways. Well, unfortunately, uh, my brother and I, unlike my sisters, have been through at least one divorce. Uh, again, I didn't want to do it, but yeah, stuff happens, okay? And I'm grateful that my sisters have uh, stayed with and been with the same man um, uh, from the very beginning. So I'm glad about that. Why do I bring that up? Well, because divorce, as we call it, and as I learned, is a lawsuit. I didn't know that at the time. I just thought it was called divorce. Well, it's, it's no fun, especially if you have an attorney on either side that is out for blood, yours, uh, if it's your spouse, or your spouse's blood, if it's your attorney. I kind of had that. Uh, my wife's attorney was more interested in nailing me uh, and uh, my, my wife's sister, uh, pun intended, uh, because she had used him also as her divorce attorney. So there you go. Well, my attorney was a woman whose slogan was, and this ties into what we're going to talk about today. Her slogan was reasonable solutions for reasonable people. Well, apparently my, uh, my um, former wife's attorney uh, was not a reasonable individual. Uh, he was referred to even by my attorney as a snake. She knew him well. There are a lot of them out there. Well, today we're going to untangle a lot of this and help you uh, maybe um, de-dramatize a little this process because it is, it's a little death. It really is like losing a job, let alone losing a loved one. Untangling your marriage. This is a guide to collaborative divorce. Sounds almost uh, uh, oxymoronish, if you will. Uh, my guest is uh, attorney Nancy Smith, Esquire. Thank you so much for joining us, Barrister, uh, here on the program. It's really a pleasure to, to try to, to bring some civility to this kind of a situation that, unfortunately, again, is all too common in our society. I appreciate being here. Thank you for uh, having me, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. This is uh, something that, uh, again, I, I don't know what the statistics show right now. You might know better than I. At one point, even in the 70s, and I was a teenager, uh, it was 50%, or right around the 50 percentile level of um, people who stay together versus people who divorce. Is that yes. still the case, or is it even higher? No, it's still about the case. For first marriages, it's still hovering around 50%. Um, the younger generation are are waiting longer to get married, so that's starting to skew the um, the statistics. But uh, 
On the other hand, baby boomers and, and gray divorces are on the rise. And then for second marriages um, or third, it's about 75% of mm. those marriages end in divorce. So it's a really common uh, phenomenon in our culture, yet it's still um, fraught with a lot of shame and blame. And that's that's what I'd like to talk about, how to, how to go through a divorce process with some degree of dignity and grace. I think it can be done, but it needs... Uh, the public to be aware that it's an option and that and that they can start advocating for what they truly want. I do remember a statement made by my former wife. I use that term because even though we don't have any communication right now, I just and it's been 25 years. Uh, I I don't see any reason to communicate with her because she really hasn't changed much from my perspective when I have talked with her, and it's been a number of years. Uh, it's, it's still, for me, it's depressing to talk because she, I don't know what, what's, I don't know what's going on, obviously. Um, but what's so sad is that people will come together, um, you know, first date, second date, third date, et cetera, et cetera. They will develop this relationship, this friendship, this connection, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes they'll they'll then eventually get married, live together maybe for a while and then get married. And they're building and building and building and trying to get closer and closer and closer. And then there's this something that happens. And then suddenly they become enemies. And I'm, it's so disconcerting to me. But one statement my wife made to me over the conference table at her attorney's office um, was, well, you promised that you would, you know, blah, 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 blah. I said, the moment you got an attorney, everything changed. And I, I, still, I still believe that. But I also then, once the divorce was over, and of course I was also with uh, my present wife, I said, I am going to do everything in my power to make this work. I'm not doing that again. I, I just, I'm, I'm not. I will, I, I, I say this with tongue in cheek, I will die first before I go through that process again. Uh, do you see that as something that's really missing, especially uh, the first time through where for some reason divorce seems to be the way out. Uh, it's almost like a, 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 a secret trap door that, yeah, let's see. Uh, if, if, this, if I find that she's been doing this, that, or the other thing, or I just don't want to stay anymore, uh, off I go to divorce. Well, Richard, as you've experienced, it's a, it's a complex situation, right? Um, relationships are complex. Being human is complex. Showing up authentically in a relationship is not easy. We're not I don't feel in our culture we're awfully skilled in our emotional intelligence. We don't spend a lot of time talking about how to advocate for our own needs. Um, I think people are afraid of speaking their truth in a marriage because of a variety of reasons, but often they're afraid they're going to end up divorced if they actually advocate and say what they really want. And then the irony, of course, is that you end up divorced because your communication is so poor. So if we had spent a little more time on our own internal insight and uh, our own work, and then we brought that, our whole selves, to a relationship, then I think you might be able to work through whatever issue arises in a in a long-term uh, relationship. Mm -hmm. But uh, since that's not necessarily the case, at least for 50% of us, something will happen. And then divorce is an option to get out of a marriage that is not working for one of you or both of you. And ideally, 
you want to come to the point where both of you can accept that this decision to divorce and separate is going to be a good decision for both of you. And that mm -hmm. acceptance comes late in the grieving process. And so what I would suggest is that people need to recognize that divorce, as you alluded to, is, a, is about loss. It's about grief. And people grieve their losses in different ways and in different times. And you cannot rush that process. And so from my experience, somebody who comes to me and wants to get divorced, they've been thinking about it. If they're the person initiating the divorce, they've been thinking about it for probably about a year, but they have not had the courage to say anything about it to anybody, maybe to their therapist if they've been in therapy. But this may be the first time that they're even, even coming to terms with the idea of even talking to a divorce lawyer. And that's a shocking moment uh, in anyone's life, whether you're initiating it or you're on the receiving end, which is also awful, where you're feeling completely blindsided as if you know, you're the rug, the proverbial rug has been pulled out from under you and you are now on your knees and feeling quite crushed. And all of your family of origin stuff comes up, your attachment issues, your abandonment issues. The I never want to underestimate the impact of rejection on the human spirit. It is profound and it sends people into a tailspin, which is why I think people tend to behave badly, especially at the beginning of their divorces. That's why they, I think, want to find a lawyer who can, quote, protect them, close quote. They don't even know what they need protection from, but I would submit it's protecting them from the pain, from fully feeling the pain and the sadness and the grief. And yet our system, the adversarial system is set up to make enemies out of former spouses. And that's why I think the new paradigm shift is toward a collaborative model where people can come to it with their full humanity on display the team can hold that container safely and people can just go through their grieving process with some, you know, mutual respect. That's really it. It's just a mutual respect thing. Yeah. Nancy Smith, my guest, uh, attorney at law, she is um, talking to us about untangling your marriage. It's a guide to collaborative divorce as we talk with her here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, it's a great pleasure to have attorney uh, Nancy uh, Smith here with us, nancysmith.com. By the way, Nancy is spelled with an I, so don't forget that when you go to nancysmithlaw.com to find out more about the work that she is doing. Maybe she can assist you in uh, finding a lawyer in your area uh, to, to do this. Uh, one of the things that um, I have to uh, 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 talk to uh, on this issue is it is a grieving process because it is a loss. It's big time. And you do have to, whether or not you are uh, the, uh, uh, the um, uh, initiator or the receiver of the initiation, I, I have to say, and I, I, I was really surprised that I was actually able to make this joke. Um, I was served at my place of employment by my wife, uh, by the whoever it was, the process server. And is, is Richard here? Yeah. Yeah, over here. Yeah. Can I help you? Not even had no clue. Had no clue. Uh, you have been served. I'm, really? So I open it up and it's the divorce papers. I was served on May 1st of 1998. And I was able to make the joke, you know, this gives a whole new meaning to the phrase Mayday. I was a basket case emotionally for the entire month of May. Couldn't think straight. Uh, I found this attorney reasonable solutions for reasonable people. I went to her with my offer, my four points 
you get this and this, I get this and this, and we go our separate ways. To make this portion of the story short, when the divorce was over, that was the very arrangement that they accepted, which pissed me off, pardon me, folks, to no end, because I had spent now nine months going through this stupid, stupid process uh, and $3,600 later, which I got off cheap. This was in Arizona. And um, I thought, why? And of course, what he was, what her attorney was trying to do was get me saddled with what they called spousal support, alimony, whatever you want to call it. Um, but Arizona being a community property state doesn't work that way. You better check the laws in your state for what it is. But the, the, the whole aspect of grieving, I just want it out. And I don't think that, I don't know that I've ever really grieved in that context. Um, I just finished uh, uh, being a part of a production, on stage production, that I'd never done before. And when it was over, the day after, I was in tears over the fact that it was over. I was grieving over that loss. I didn't have that with the divorce. Uh, am I missing something or is my process because of my perspective, is it different than anybody else's or, I mean, or something wrong with me? Do I need therapy? <laughs> um, well, no, I, I think everybody needs therapy, but especially when you're going through a divorce, <laughs> but, uh, so that's no, no shame on you. But I think, I think your experience um, speaks to the problem that it's very, it's, I consider it to be an aggressive act to file for your divorce papers first before negotiating. So I'm a negotiate first kind of girl. And then we can put your paperwork together with the court in an uncontested manner where neither one of you have to step foot in court and you can do it in a, in a, a thoughtful, in a thoughtful, planned, strategic way. While you, at the same time, you are given the space and time to grieve your losses. And I don't think our culture allows for that. So it's not surprising to me that you didn't have that opportunity that you didn't even think that was an option that but looking at it in hindsight i just noticed that it's still an emotional a visceral reaction you remember the date that you were served by that it was a traumatic event it's it cuts right to the core of who you are your identity the losses are immense you lose your best friend you lose your lover you lose your status as a spouse which in our culture gives you some status you are going to lose probably someone's going to lose their home, uh, if not both of you. Somebody, you're going to lose half of your wealth, you know, your either your income or your your retirement, and and half of the property. And then you're going to lose your identity. You're going to uh, if you've been a primary, you know, worker, and then now you want to sort of transition into also being a 50/50 parent, co-parent, or vice versa. If you've been a primary caregiver, but now you're going to have to get a job. Like there's a whole bunch of things that are going on that are emotional. So I like to think of divorce as 80% emotional, 10% legal, 10% financial. And until you manage that 80%, that big piece of the emotional aspect of divorce, you're not going to be able to think straight and make good decisions about your children and your future financial security. So I don't think your experience is in any way, um, I, I think it's very common uh, is what I think, but I think it's sad because we could do better. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, my, my, uh, first wife and I had no real assets. We had a house, no car, no stocks, no bonds, no jewelry. No, yeah. We just, it was very, it was simple, very, very simple. 
<clears throat> and um, <clears throat> uh, so I, 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 and even my attorney could not believe that this was going on as long as it was because we, we didn't have anything to divide. I was willing to give up the house. Sad, but willing. Um, and I was deposed. I was shocked. And even my attorney was shocked that I was deposed. So <clears throat> not really knowing what the process is as we're walking, as we're driving there and walking across the parking lot, I said, okay, do I have to answer all the questions? Yes, you do. You have to. You can't plead the fifth or anything of that nature. Uh, you can ask me, you know, a, you know, a question about the question. But then she gave me some of the best advice uh, uh, that, that I was ever given. And it actually made, as, as hard as the process was, it made it fun for me. Because she said, when he asks a question, and this is what's interesting. My wife had a male attorney. I had a female attorney. Uh, she says, if he asks you, when he asks you a question, you can ask him to repeat it. Uh, you can say, I don't understand. Uh, those kinds of responses initially to drag it out. <coughs> if you're, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> having trouble, like I am now, uh, having trouble <laughs> um, coming to, uh, t giving the answer. But you do have to answer the questions. So I did that to him over and over again. Could you repeat the question? I'm sorry, could you be more specific? And so on and so on. And then he asked me a question about that wonderful little form you fill out about your expenses and your, your income and expenses. Now, so there's some context, and I'll try to keep this very brief. Uh, and then I want to get into some of these steps that you offer because I think they're very important. Um, he asked me, he asked me about the form. Now, I filled the form out in July 1998, and it was asking me about the previous 12 months, meaning June, going back to July of the previous year. So the deposition was in August, and he asked me, so is this form accurate? And I said, yes. So this form represents uh, your assets and income for the previous 12 months. I said, no. He says, but you just said this form is accurate. That's correct. So does this represent the previous 12 months? And I said, no. So I turned to my attorney and I said, he doesn't get it. It's not for the previous 12 months, July going back to August of last year. It's for June going back to July of last year. <clears throat> so I had to, exp I said, I asked, can I ask the stenographer to to read back the question that he asked? Sure. Could you please? You know, she did. He still didn't get it, and I had to explain it to him. Now, I felt like I'd been run over by a truck when, it'd been, when it was over, but we're walking back to her car, and she said, in all the years of depositions, I have never seen anybody cause another attorney to spin in the wind like you did. And so that was the high point of that deposition was that uh, I treated that, uh, that attorney, her attorney, to a little, little, little flight, if you will. Uh, but it, was, it, was, it wasn't to evade. It was like, I can't believe I'm here. It cost me $140 in attorney's fees for a deposition that should never have happened. Um, those are the kinds of things that happen in a divorce where you go through this. And um, just one other point, not on this issue, but of a, a marriage 
seminar presenter, a Christian marriage seminar presenter that I found out about when I was working for a Christian station back in the, the 80s, early 90s. Uh, he talked about an experience he had with a couple. And the, and the wife was just beating the daylights out of the husband verbally. I mean, oh, he's just off. He's just, he's such a whining. And he's over there in the corner just cowering, you know. Oh, my God. Almost tears coming down his eyes, you know. And finally he says, you, if you two want to repair this, do you know who has to start first? Do you know? And he said, you do. But he wasn't pointing to one or the other. He was pointing to both of them. You both have to start. And that's where untangling your marriage, I think, begins, that both parties have to be willing to start. And I will tell you, my wife, my present wife, she and her ex cost them 120 bucks because they did it themselves. They did it amicably. Uh, they still are friends to this day. They still text and talk with one another, you know. Uh, and that's that's a reasonable solution for reasonable people right there. Do you find 1%, 5%, 10 of the divorces go like that? Well, I'm not sure about the statistics about uh, the majority of people do represent themselves. Um, they don't use lawyers and they don't go to the litigation model. There are basically four ways to get divorced. You can do a kitchen table divorce, which is what you just alluded to with your current spouse and her former spouse. Uh, when, that works well when there's not a lot of assets, there's not a lot of conflict. People are uh, both ready to sit down and fill out the forms and do it themselves. Do it yourself, divorce. Uh, then there's mediation, which is both of you going to one neutral person to be a mediator who's skillful in conflict resolution, can bring the two of you together, facilitate what would theoretically be a difficult conversation, uh, mediators cannot give legal advice, but they can uh, facilitate conversations. That works well when both of you uh, want uh, an amicable solution. You don't want to spend a bunch of money. Uh, you both are on equal bargaining footing when you both know what the financial reality is. You both know what the, what the situation is going to be with the kids. Um, and you can get to yes. And mediators will always encourage clients to go to lawyers, separate lawyers, to review any documents before you sign them because you should always have a document signed, uh, reviewed by an attorney before you sign it because it's going to be legally binding. Then there's collaborative divorce, which is sort of like mediation on steroids. It's for the couple, <laughs> right? It's kind of for the couple who understands that this is a, we're moving into some territory that uh, neither of us are comfortable in. We don't know the language. We don't know the landscape. It's a foreign world. We are both grieving. We are both hurt. We are probably going to say stupid things that we are going to regret. And we should have some support. So having lawyers at the table, having a mental health coach, having a financial neutral, because somebody doesn't understand the finances as well, that's a great model for, for that, those kind of people. And then for the others who, and I, I almost wonder, what, based on your story, Richard, whether your wife just fell into that lawyer by accident, whether her friends or family who are well-meaning suggested that she go hire a shark to protect her, but they didn't even understand really what was at stake or how to divorce in a way that would not cause so much pain and suffering and additional cost. And so I think for your listeners, they just need to understand that even if your friends and family are trying to be well-meaning, most people have not had good divorce experiences. And so they're going to give you their own experience and suggest that you go to some lawyer that's going to, you know, be a shark or a pit bull, or in my case, I used to be called a barracuda, you know, like <laughs> get all these names of very like tough animals. Um, 
but that's not always what we need. Like yeah. we, we, we need more of the people like your lawyer, reasonable solutions for reasonable people, but you're not reasonable or rational. I would suggest at the time when you are in that state of high intense anxiety, grief, worry about the future, sense of betrayal, feeling like you've been kicked in the gut, feeling like you are being attacked and therefore you need to defend yourself. And in our culture, we go to lawyers as our white knights and as our defenders, and we need somebody to defend us yeah. um, from all the pain. And and sometimes I just think that that gets misplaced. The advi- adversarial system is really only for about 2% of actual cases go to litigation, go to the final hearing with a judge. They all settle. 98% of cases settle. So the question for your listeners is, if my case is going to settle, most likely it will, unless there's a serious psychopathology going on in the background, um, in which case you have to have the court decide it for you. Okay, that may happen in 2% of the cases. But in 98% of the cases, it's going to settle. So how do you want to settle it? Exactly what your point was, Richard. You already made the offer at the very beginning, which Mm -hmm. is how it ended up eight months later. And $3,600. $3,600. You're lucky. Like now it would be like $36,000 later. And yet it was the exact same thing that you started with. And I think the reason why people drag things out, and it's not always just lawyers being greedy, which sometimes it is, but it's also people not really ready to let go. They're not ready to let go. And so your ex-wife, even if she initiated it, psychologically, she might not have actually been ready to let go, which is why she allowed her lawyer to carry on like this. Because she didn't know what to do and nobody was telling her, like, don't do that. Like, you don't have to do that. Yeah. We're talking with uh, Nancy Smith. NancySmithLaw.com is the uh, website. And Untangling Your Marriage. Untangle Your Marriage. Uh, this is uh, great advice, and we're going to continue getting some more of this advice uh, from a legal professional, uh, although you need to check with the laws in your own state, uh, wherever you're listening, or your own country, if you are listening outside of the United States to the podcast or video cast here on <clears throat> Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it's uh, it's not often that we get the opportunity to to question someone, uh, an expert, if you will, or at, at the very least, if you don't consider yourself an expert, at least someone who knows the ins and outs of a process. And in this case, the process, which is on a legal level, it is a lawsuit. I always thought divorce was just n- divorce. And then, of course, as I uh, and as I said earlier, I was a basket case from May 1st to May 31st. But June 1st kicked in, and I don't know what happened, but suddenly the intellect kicked in and going, wait a minute, this is a community property state as well as uh, the uh, community responsibility state. Uh, She's 50% responsible for what's happening here, just like I am 50% responsible for what's happening here. And I began to do the research, and of course I had the attorney and everything, and I'm also grateful to my parents for uh, uh, supporting me in that regard. It's it's nice that uh, uh, they were there. Uh, they actually helped me with the initial retainer. Uh, so I'm grateful to, to them. Of course, I had to pay the rest, but that's okay. Uh, I survived. One of the other things I should also mention, Nancy, in spite of all of the energies that I have shared uh, with my experiences on this program, I have to also acknowledge, and I look back on the 15 years of my first marriage, and it's not like, well, yeah, the ten year, first 10 years were good. It was the last five. That, no, it's, it wasn't even that. It was, I can look back, and we had some wonderful, 
absolutely spectacular times. I remember some Christmases that were very creative, um, some other holidays, even our honeymoon uh, and other trips that we were able to take and, and the schooling that she went through that I helped support her with and so on and so on and so on. So, you know, folks, I'm, I'm not bitter towards my former wife by any means. I wish that it had gone on. I still have a love for her in my heart. Um, the divorce process was a very short-term, temporary thing. Uh, you know, although <laughs> it makes me think of a Woody Allen line where he says, well, me and uh, Quasimoto, uh, we, 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 we were debating whether to go on vacation uh, or, or get a divorce. And we decided to get the divorce because a vacation you only have for two weeks and the divorce you have for the rest of your life. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I always thought that I would challenge my parents in the years that they would, they had been, had been married up to that point. My eldest sister who passed away last March, she was married for 40 years. Uh, my other sisters, uh, 30, 35, probably close to 40 years for the three of them. I, I don't know the exact numbers. I just celebrated my 20th anniversary with my present wife, but we've been together 25. Um, you know, it's, it's like, yes, there's the grieving, but then you've got to take a look at it wasn't all bad. I mean, because you decided to get married, you decided to get together. Let's talk a little bit about the pros and the cons in regards to the, ups, the upsides and the downsides of um, uh, working on creating this kind of a, a collaborative uh, divorce, if you will. Sure. So a collaborative divorce is first and foremost a process. It's been around for 30 years. Uh, the lawyers who practice it have been trained by the International Academy of Collaborative Professionals. Um, we, we do ongoing training with each other. We're part of practice groups, which are interdisciplinary. They have lawyers, mental health professionals, and financial neutrals as part of the team. So when you're interviewing an attorney and you're asking for a collaborative divorce, make sure that you uh, that the lawyers know what they're talking about and they actually practice a true collaborative model. Uh, part of the model requires a participation agreement. And that's a document that binds us all together. And in that, it, it lays out our rights and our responsibilities and what the expectations are uh, for clients and that we engage in good faith. We share transparently financial information. We don't engage in financial discovery, like uh, a deposition like you have, which is an awful situation in a family court case. It, it's just, it's just, it, that was really an opportunity to make you have a bad day. You know, that, that was not about actually getting information. So that, so we don't abuse the process. We don't abuse the system, um, but we are giving up certain rights. Uh, the clients are giving up certain rights to engage in a collaborative process. You, you give up the right to be deposed. You give up the right to go to court and have a hearing. You give up the right, um, to let a judge decide your fate and your future. Instead, you take responsibility for that. You're gonna show up at the table like a grown-up, even if you're feeling your worst. You're gonna you're gonna show up and be your best self, even if you don't feel like it. Uh, you're gonna have support. You're gonna have your lawyer there to help you and support you and be your coach, not to steamroll or bully the other side into submission. That's not what we do. The lawyers are not bullies. We're there to contain, you know, the to create the container and to move the process forward. And so one of the benefits then is uh, you get the support of the team member that you need at that time. So if you need to understand finances, 
you get the financial neutral to understand it, lay it out for you, collect all the data, analyze it, help you understand what the long-term cash flow is going to look like um, and what the impact of a settlement is going to be on you financially into the future. That's a great benefit that is not usually available in a traditional model. You, if you are having communication issues because you do not trust each other and or contempt has set in and you just really cannot stand your spouse at this moment and you're having a really hard time like looking them in the eye and even having a conversation, that's when the that's when the coach comes in, the, the mental health coach who is very skillful in family system dynamics, in grief, in divorce, in couple dynamics. Because whatever the dynamic is between the two of you is going to show up. It's going to continue to show up. It's not going to just magically go away. So we're all primed for it. The professionals are primed for it. We're not going to fall into your traps. We're going to be aware of what they are in advance. We're not going to intentionally hurt each other. We're not going to look for your Achilles heel and your weakness so that I can exploit it. It's just so that I can actually avoid it. Like, I don't want to hurt you and I don't want to make your life miserable. I'm here to just help you guys through a process. So my loyalty is to my own client. I have a confidential relationship with my client, but I'm not out to screw over my client's spouse. There's no benefit in that for me. And it doesn't serve my client in the long run because my client has to have a usually a post-divorce relationship with this person. Like, and they might like to be friends and they might like to have family gatherings together. They may want to present a united front to their children and show how grown-ups can handle adversity and different differences of opinions and conflict in a way that allows them to emerge healthy and wholehearted instead of bitter and resentful. So there's like a lot of opportunity for personal growth in a collaborative model. The downside is, this is the main risk, is that if you are not well suited to the process and you don't have that ability for insight or your spouse doesn't, or your spouse has a serious psychological personality disorder that's like diagnosed and everybody likes to throw around that my spouse is a narcissist, but not everybody is. And it, but if yours is, <laughs> then we want to know about that. And that's probably not going to be a good process because we're going to all get excited about it. We're going to think we're making progress and all of a sudden, whoa, no, you know, <laughs> the hand is going to come up, some crazy thing's going to happen and, and the process will fail. And if the process fails, then you both have to, the lawyers withdraw and you both have to go on and find litigation counsel. And so that increases the cost. Yeah. So that disqualification clause is part of the, is part of our, um, what weaves us all together. And it's the incentive to keep us all together. It's an incentive to make sure that you're correct for the process. And it's our incentive to just do the work, roll up our sleeves, no matter how difficult it gets. We're not bailing, no one's leaving. We're not gonna run away. We can handle all your intensity. It doesn't matter what your situation is. We can handle it. We've most of us have had 20, 30 years of experience. Nothing you say to us is going to surprise us or shock us. We can handle it. We just want you to work through it at a time and then in a pace that makes sense for both of you. So that's the those are the benefits. Those are the risks. Um, and I really just think it's an opportunity for, for people to do the work so that for their next relationships, they can show up in a wholehearted way and they're not going to be ruined by their divorce process, which happens. Um, people end up very bitter and feel a lot of resentment toward their ex-spouses for ruining their lives. And I just think you could flip that paradigm and, and just start taking radical responsibility for yourself and for the future of your relationship uh, with your spouse, your children, your extended family, all of it. Nancy A. Smith, attorney at law, nancysmith.com. And that's Nancy with an I. 
nancysmithlaw.com is the website. We encourage you to go there, find out more. Also find out more about the book, uh, the work that she is is doing through the book, Untangling Your Marriage, A Guide to Collaborative Divorce, as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And uh, Nancy... um, this is obviously it's a process that's 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 uh, been around for God I don't know how many years about thirty about thirty years um, but divorce in general has probably been around for a whole lot hundred maybe a several hundred years or I don't know a thousand for all I know usually I guess if you're in royalty you uh, say I don't want to be with you anymore and they they take your head off. Uh, <laughs> So I guess we've made some. I guess we've made some progress. A little. I think we have a little bit. Uh, one aspect too, in terms of this process, and and I experienced experience this. Uh, you need to know what's uh, a- uh, applicable on the state level, because every state is the one that determines the all over the rules of divorce, and what might get thrown into uh, the list of conditions at the end of the divorce decree. Uh, in terms of what's federal. And it was one of those things that I found real interesting and I learned a great deal about. Um, the Her attorney threw into the decree one line, that neither party may discharge the community debt through bankruptcy. And, of course, I researched that, checked with not only my attorney but a bankruptcy attorney, and said, no, nah, it's not binding because divorce is a state Uh, level element and bankruptcy is federal and federal trumps, no pun intended, state. Uh, So that's what I had to do when the divorce was over because I was saddled with all the debt, Uh, which I suppose is rare. But uh, again, I could have contested it, but it would have dragged it on longer. And I didn't. I just I just wanted out. Um, And the other element, too, is that uh, during this collaborative process, you don't want to be doing things that are going to, uh, behind the scenes, they're going to undermine the process. Uh, my, my former wife, uh, she went to school to become a massage therapist, and they have to renew their license every year. And, of course, she's claiming that she can't work. And then my attorney found out that that December, before they finally settled, she'd renewed her license. Well, why are you renewing your license if you can't work? So as soon as they knew that we had found out, they settled um, because she had made a mistake, obviously, uh, from the from legal standpoint. You know, you, you can't play both sides of the street. You just can't do that. Um, as far as my business is concerned, and I had uh, I had this audio business uh, production and they wanted me to value it. I said it has no value. I am it. So unless I'm doing it, there's no value to it. I mean, you know, I can do it on any equipment that I get my hands on. Well, you need to put a value on it. Okay, $10,000, you know, as if they were going to get any. You want to take my uh, all of my old equipment, used equipment uh, to a yard sale and see what you can get? Maybe you'll get 100 bucks for all of it. I never, I never fully understood that aspect of it, whereas because – there were no real assets in the business. The business was a service that I would provide as opposed to a product. And then you've got, then you have assets. So it was really, really strange. I want to ask you a little bit about your uh, background. Why? Why? Because my attorney, 
I think I or maybe one more case. She had one more and she got out of the business because she just couldn't she couldn't do it anymore in dealing with these people, uh, these other attorneys who were, you know, the snakes, if you will. Why would you what what is it? What is it that intrigued you and still does? Obviously, the collaborative aspect of it about helping people through this process. Sure. Well, obviously, when I was little and thinking I was going to be a lawyer, I wasn't thinking I was going to be a divorce lawyer. I thought I would do something big and important, like international human rights or something. Um, and I was called into the law since I was little. I was about seven when I knew I wanted to be a lawyer. So I that gave me the opportunity to study philosophy in college. And I wasn't really too uptight about where I'd go to law school. I figured eventually I'd be a lawyer. So I came to Vermont, uh, where I did a master's in environmental law. And then I graduated in 92. And at the time, my husband, who I met in law school, had this very persuasive argument to my 25-year-old mind, which was, man, don't you want to just stay in Vermont and let this be our life instead of that time in our lives that we look back on fondly and think, oh, wasn't that wonderful? So I said, okay, sure, I'll stay in Vermont. And it wasn't my plan. Uh, but then I had to get a job in 1992, and it was a bit of a depression at that time. And I found a job in a general law firm, a general practice law firm. And one of my mentors practiced in family court. And I had done a little bit of domestic violence work in law school, and I found that pretty satisfying because I always, I like to fight bullies and I'm a scrappy kind of girl and I used to like to fight. And I think I was drawn to it because it was like a socially acceptable outlet for my aggressive tendencies. Um, so I was drawn to litigation. I always wanted to be a lawyer. I mean, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be in court. I liked I liked standing up to bullies. I like to advocate for the underdog. Um, so I always had that sort of fighting spirit. And then it, about 15 years into it, I was like, holy smokes, this is this. I don't think this is good for families. I just started realizing I just had an epiphany one day um, after a particularly robust court situation. I think that was when that lady called me a barracuda. She sort of spat it at me. Uh, and I just I didn't I didn't take pleasure in that. I didn't I didn't find I wasn't feeling proud about it, I was thinking, oh, I don't think this is good for my higher soul and spirit. Mm. So then that's when I found about found out about collaborative divorce. And I thought this is a really sensible approach that will allow me to do good work and still be a good human being and not get caught up in um, that adversarial nature of ruining people's families. Because those people have to go home and deal with each other at some point. I can I go home after I, you know, theoretically, I get paid and I can go home. But I don't want to leave a, a trail of destruction and ruin children's lives and their parents' lives. I just didn't want to do that anymore. So this is a, it, so this is a perfect merger. I can help people transition through the divorce process. I have a lot of um, empathy and my experience and having my personal experience about it um, allows me, I think, with some degree of humility and, and gratitude to just kind of help people get through the process and emerge healthier and wholehearted so that they don't have to feel mm. like... Somehow this was like a, a failure in yeah. our lives. That's one of the things, too, is is feeling like a failure. I, 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 if I, if I dwelled on it too long, I would start feeling that way. Uh, I looked at it as a learning experience. I looked at it as um, a way to make the next relationship last uh, as long as it possibly could, that I was going to do everything in my power. I want to ask you... First of all, who are Natalie and Greg, and why have you, uh, why are you where you are because of them? 
Ah, thank you. So I struggled with who to dedicate the book for the book to. And so my Natalie is my daughter. Um, and Greg is my ex-husband, my former husband. And he and I are not close, um, which is kind of unfortunate. And it was a tough divorce. It wasn't a collaborative divorce. So I can, you know, be one of those do as I say, not as I do kind of people. But, um, <laughs> but there's value in that. You know, if you've yeah. gone down a path and you know it's the wrong way, you can actually provide quite a bit of guidance to other people to avoid that, you know, the pitfalls that you've experienced personally. And I just, yeah, I I grew a lot through the divorce process, uh, through the marriage. And as you said and alluded to, you want to be able to look back and, and look at some of those positive things and you grow together. But I find it so interesting that a marriage is this one thing that we judge its success by how long it lasts. Like, yeah. but it lasts a long time and you're unsatisfied and you're not getting your needs met and you're at opposite ends and you're not loving and supportive and joyful and your kids aren't seeing that. Why are we saying that that's, you know, that you should continue to suck it up and stay in it if it's not serving you or if, you know, if it's worse, if there's, you know, emotional abuse or there's, you know, mistreatment of some sort. So, um, you know, I think we all grow, we learn what you want when you're 25 may not be what you want when you're 45. And there should just, I don't know, I think there should be like a, a pass and, and maybe a renegotiation every seven or 10 years and just check in with each other, make sure you're really still on the same page and that you're feeling the love. And if you're not, then there are other opportunities to to go deeper into your relationship issues, you know, go into joint counseling or do discernment counseling or something, a deep dive into deciding whether you really want whether a divorce is the only option or whether you just need to do some additional work on yourselves, either individually or as a couple. Yeah. Well, uh, lessons learned, life lessons or uh, what have you, however you want to phrase it. I think it's important for us to be able to look at these experiences from that perspective rather than success and failure. Uh, I would rather be happy than right. And it's not one of those situations where, you know, I understand the phrase happy wife, happy, happy life. But what about me? You know, uh, and, and again, I'm not trying to put myself above her, you know, or anything, anything. That's why I dislike a lot of the stereotyp stereotypical um, examples in movies and television. Uh, the, the 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 dopey husband who and the, then the the supposedly the uh, the the woman who wears the pants in the family attitude where they're both trying to get one up on the other and it's like what I don't ever remember seeing that with my parents I don't even remember ever seeing them argue with one another um, they might have uh, slightly, slightly heated conversations that I can recall. But it was never, you know, anything other than that. They went through marriage encounter uh, back in the 70s. They even came to us as kids and said, you know, uh, we'd like to do this thing. And, you know, it's going to take some time away from you kids. And we basically said, look, if that's what you want to do, go for it. You know, we can we can take care of ourselves. There were six of us. We can we can deal uh, you know, I had two older sisters, two younger sisters, and a younger brother. You know, so um, they went through that, and maybe they they felt like they were having problems, and that's maybe why they went through a marriage encounter. I don't know, because uh, I didn't ever see that. It was a very loving home, very small home, three bedrooms and one bathroom, and as I said before, four sisters, and we survived. <laughs>
I think that's a real testament to your parents. Um, I think in today's culture, we often include the children in too many adult decisions and adult conversations, and people like to use the children as weapons yeah. uh, in a divorce and get the kids to ally with them in some way. And so you start to share, overshare information under the guise of, well, they need to know the truth. And I would submit that the people themselves don't even know the truth yet until you've been through at least some counseling and you've taken the time to understand your role in the disintegration of a marriage and not to involve the children, like never involve the children. Yeah. So credit to your parents for keeping it out of out of your consciousness. As yeah. a I, I acknowledge and honor them all the time with with what they did to to raise the six of us. Uh, it's funny, too, because uh, I've even been asked. So, oh, your folks must have sacrificed a lot to I and I put that to question to them. I've interviewed them on this program some years ago, and I even put that question to them. I said, did you guys sacrifice anything? They said, absolutely. We sacrificed nothing because we wanted a big family and whatever came along with that. So there was no sacrifice. And, and I, I, that's why I don't like that. I, I don't like using that word when it comes to certain things. Um, would I have liked to have done this, that, or the other thing? Eh, maybe. But I'm not. I'm doing this, and I'm having a great time doing it. And, uh, you know, there's no sacrifice. Uh, I personally believe in reincarnation, and if I want to do that, I'll come back and do that. <laughs> I'll come back and do that. Um, we're talking with Nancy Smith, Nancy Smith, attorney at law, nancysmithlaw.com. That's Nancy with an I. All right, nancysmithlaw.com will be linked to your website, Nancy, so that people can find out more about you and the work, as well as the book that you have uh, put together for us uh, who need collaborative, uh, collaborative divorce, Untangling Your Marriage, A Guide to Collaborative Divorce, here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it's uh, always a pleasure to have people here uh, who can help weave through some of the uh, um, chaos and entanglements that that are there in life and find, as we talk at the beginning, Nancy, about new paradigms for a new world. Uh, I wish that we could... Um, I, I, Hollywood, I, I, my heart goes out to these people who, uh, especially who are in the limelight, um, who they go through these horrific, just horrific processes. I mean, I, I, my, my heart really uh, uh, went out to, for example, um, uh, and now I cannot remember the actor's name, um, uh, who w went through a very public trial uh, where the wife, whether she was telling the truth or not, uh, obviously, uh, Johnny Johnny Depp, that was his name. And I just thought, not just because I like him as an actor, okay, but it's like, and, and I'm not taking sides because I'm a male, but I just really felt like he was that guy, kind of, you know, oh, man, oh, don't stop beating me up, you know. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of saw that in his face, that he was really hurt by this whole thing, and he really didn't want to go through it. And I don't think she did either. And it just, it just, exploded into this this show almost you know um and i don't know who's right and who's wrong because i don't know the details and so i'm not going there all i'm saying is that i had compassion in that respect uh, i i was saddened by the fact that they had to go through that or anybody has to go through that especially in the public oh gee whiz have you ever had any 
cases like that where it was rather semi-public and so forth? Not necessarily nationally, but maybe in a region. Yeah. So engaging in a public display of your family and personal madness is never a good idea. And in a collaborative model, it's discreet. It's private. We take care of our business in a small, four of, a, four of you are going to know what's going on. The, the two lawyers, a mental health coach, and a financial neutral, and maybe an adjunct mental health professional who works with the couple. That They're the ones who are going to know your business. And I think people have choices in life about how they're going to engage in their dissolution of their marriage. And you can choose to have a public display in court, or you can choose a non-adversarial divorce process like a collaborative divorce. And even if collaborative divorce is, seems like maybe too much process for your listener, or maybe they don't think that they need it all, I would remind the listeners that collaborative divorce is both a process and a mindset. So you can bring the collaborative mindset to whatever process you are choosing. Even if you end up in court, just because you end up in court doesn't mean you have to engage in all that nastiness and or feel it or embody it or give it back in that same way because courts are not impressed by that. They 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 are going for who's making the most reasonable approach. They don't, they're not looking for the most dramatic um, or you're not scoring points by being a jerk to the other person's you know client. You don't yeah. score points by that. So by the end of the day, you want to make a choice about how do you want to show up for your divorce? What process is going to serve your needs? It's going to align with your values of decency, transparency, integrity, mutual respect. Like these are the things that you want to focus on when you are hurting and when you are dissolving an important primary relationship. And I think that's where the choice is. And, you know, I don't know. Did you ever read the book, um, The Book of Joy by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu? Have you read that one? Honestly, have not. I will have to pick that up. I really encourage it. And I talk about it in the book um, about joy. And a lot of times we don't think about joy or maybe we think about joy as an emotion. But these two, and I figured the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu were reliable sources. And what they ultimately concluded is that joy is a state of being. It's a state of mind and a state of heart. And there are eight pillars to joy. And of the mind, the the pillars of the mind are perspective, humility, humor, and acceptance. And the pillars of the heart are forgiveness, gratitude, compassion, generosity. And if you can apply those concepts to yourself and your spouse as you're going through a divorce, what a gift. What a gift for yourself, for your spouse, for your children, for the community. It's a way to go to world peace. I just found it. I just found the book. It's available on Audible, ladies and gentlemen. And I happen to have that uh, service. So I will download that immediately and start listening to it. It should be very good. I'm looking forward to that. Nancy, um, before we wrap things up, I'd like to know how your – how – because you you made reference to this very briefly earlier uh, about how the the type of divorce that you were dealing with <clears throat> was um, sort of I guess I'll put it this way. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was a little vexing to your soul. Um, how was your inner life? and philosophy of uh, living by a, fo- a particular philosophy. How was it and how has it changed for you to this day? What a wonderful question. I think 
I think I was fooling myself back in the day. Like I thought I could have a personal life that was a spiritual life and then have a professional life that was in the trenches and somehow justify it and keep it together. But I think truthfully, looking back, I think that's really hard. I think it's really hard to have to be that unintegrated. <laughs> and so I feel like over time, the practice, my that's why I switched out of the litigation model into the collaborative model and into consultations, because it's more integrated with with how I truly want to live my life. Hmm. Well, I I am grateful and I honor you for that choice. Uh, you are helping to make this a better place uh, to to take those new ways of living uh, into the future. And uh, because the the old ways don't work, all you have to do is take a look around. They're not working. Look at the look at the the if you will the chaos. But um, I've heard many different uh, perspectives on chaos, uh, and that uh, th- out of chaos can come. Uh, clarity and and uh, and so forth, and of course we have in this country in our founding documents we do have these inalienable rights. They only mentioned three, which is rather interesting. They had lots of parchment; it wasn't like they were going to run out. Uh, but they do mention three: life, liberty, and happiness. I- I'm sorry, pursuit of happiness. <laughs> I'll still equate that with joy, um, because uh, when we are when we are happy, truly happy, um, then we're in our integrity. We are uh, living a life that is meaningful. And we're, as you are, of service to the people who seek you out. And I hope people will through your website, nancysmithlaw.com. And again, folks, that's Nancy with an I. NancySmithLaw.com, and also the book uh, we encourage you to get is Untangle Your Marriage, as we talked with uh, her here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, Nancy Smith, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this has been a real pleasure. Uh, it's it's given me some insights, not by any means for anything to the future, but for maybe uh, um, doing a little more processing about the past. You know, in that respect, uh, never forgetting that uh, it takes two to tango, as the phrase goes, and uh, that that this wasn't her fault. This wasn't my fault. It wasn't anybody's fault. It's just stuff that happens. And these are experiences that we we're going to have. We've as someone said to me once frustrated the heck out of me when they said this, Richard, you wrote this script. And if you want to write a, 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 you want to rewrite it, you can do that. But you wrote this script. This is your script. Okay. Uh, And so, and I own that. It's my script. Yes. And it's her script as it is my script and my present wife's script. And um, so if we want to change things, if we want to make things different, we can do that. And I thank you so much for sharing uh, your insights in how to rewrite the script. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Good luck. I do have three final questions for you, though. Oh, sure. I ask all of my guests these questions. Um, And uh, I will ask those of you. But first, I want to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story. 
New paradigms for a new world. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. We stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. We also have a 9 a.m. Wednesday broadcast. That's our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. Uh, we podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. I sometimes get going a little fast there. I understand. But we're on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. And just remember, we are going to be linked to our guest website, nancysmithlaw.com. So uh, don't forget about that. And um, we uh, also ask that you take time to go within and listen to that still, small voice. And Nancy, every time I get to this part, I think, did we talk about that? No, we did not. And I, I should have, I, 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 we'll have you back and we'll kind of open the door for that. Um, but we want you to uh, take time to listen to that still small voice. Spend time in that quiet, peaceful place. If you're going through something like this and you want to consider collaborative divorce, then sit still and ask the questions. Put it out there. I would really... I really would rather not have the drama. I could Please guide me to where I need to go. Well, there you are, nancysmithlaw.com. We're guiding you. The, the still small voice is guiding you. Be that as it may, if you'd also like to support us financially, we'd be grateful for any amount. We have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. And when you go to contribute, we are so grateful for that. They're going to ask you for an email address. Quite simply, it's richard at richarddugan.com. That's richard at richarddugan.com. With all of that out of the way, we go to our three final questions for our guest. And the first is, who is Nancy A. Smith? At this stage, today, <laughs> I am an advocate for people to move through divorce with dignity and mutual respect. So I'm a paradigm shifter in the, in the sphere of divorce. What is your life's purpose? To empower people to feel good about themselves, even when they are leaving uh, an important relationship. And finally, what was your best day? Today's my best day. Every day is the best day. I don't, I, every day I'm alive is a great day. I'm, I'm very, very grateful for all the blessings that um, I have and to be able to be of service. And I really just appreciate the opportunity. Well, once again, Nancy, thank you so much for being with us. Nancy Smith, and again, uh, for sharing with us Untangling Your Marriage. We look forward to having you back again. Thank you. I'd love to. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to Lal and Jeanette, I'm still listening. <laughs>